In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Coming up on today's show, it's all about Social Security. What are the six important questions you need to ask to get the most out of your retirement income? The Get Ready for the Future show starts right now. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And we are glad to have you along for the Get Ready for the Future show, as always. My name is Scott Inman. With us today, on board, John Shrewsbury and Troy Johnson uh, from the Bryant office I was about to tell him your nickname. I don't know why that just popped into my head. I don't even really know what your real nickname is, but do people, we call you T-Roy around here, right? A little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Occasionally. Yeah, we we call dad. him a lot of things around here. <laughs> yeah, we can't say what John calls me. <laughs> I did notice you getting a little nervous when I first started <laughs> yeah, I didn't know uh, where diving you were, into that. I didn't know I kinda, where you were going with that or if I you were talking no to John or me. I, I, don't I had even, no idea. I don't know why that even popped into my head, but okay, I wanted to call you T-Roy, I think is what I wanted to do. But Troy Johnson with us today in the third chair as we talk about six important questions that you should ask about Social Security. And first of all, you should probably ask your advisor if they're not talking to you about Social Security. It is one of the fun, fundamental parts of your overall retirement plan. It needs to be calculated in as a huge part of where you're going to get your retirement income. So we're going to dive into that in just a few minutes. But off the top of the show, we do want to talk markets a little bit. You know, 2022, we've been doing that a lot because of how rocky uh, the waters have been, how wild the roller coaster ride has been. But, you know, you probably hear a lot in the uh, general media when the market is down. You don't always hear so much about it when it's up, John. And, and we need to take a moment to kind of give a round of applause for October. Well, yeah, October as a, as a general rule, that was a great month for the stock market, especially the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which was up about 14%. First time in, in, I don't know, decades that it's been up that much in a month. Yeah, 1976 was the last uh, month it was up that much, and it's the best October on record yeah. for the Dow. And so, you know, we had the other indices up uh, better, but not, not quite as good as the Dow. But uh, here's the deal. Stocks for the long haul are always going to perform well. We're going to have periods of time like we've had in the first, let's say, eight, nine months of, of 2022. You're going to have pullbacks. That's what allows the market to have the big runs that it has that we've all enjoyed. And Scott, the, the key thing in looking at, at really any of this is perspective. And if you understand, you go back 10 years and look at where we were 10 years ago and look at where we are now in the markets, we've beat inflation. We've, we've performed admirably. The S&P 500 is up about 12% or something like that uh, on an annual basis uh, over the last 10 years. So while there's a lot of focus and a lot of attention and a lot of noise about what's going on in the here and now, the perspective that you've got to have as a long-term investor is what's been happening over the last 10 years. And I think that's, that's sometimes hard to keep that perspective when everybody's kind of uh, yelling at you about what's happening right now. I think we need to repeat that one more time for, for everybody that's listening. <laughs> yes. Because I've, I've had this conversation with clients this week, the Dow Jones in October was up 14 percent i don't know about y'all i watch the news every night yeah. and i have not heard that statistic yeah yeah um, it's almost like that's that doesn't make good news yeah. yes yeah I, i'm looking at uh at one of the news feeds right now stocks fall as wall street prepares for fed rate decision yeah 
how many times has that happened and how many times has it actually mattered? Right. It, it really doesn't in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's why if you walk into just about any Gen Wealth office, our phones are not ringing off the wall with people going, sell, sell, get, out, get me out of the market. That's not what we do here. Everything that we do here is from a perspective of long-term planning. And what you use equities for is to overcome the rising cost of living, inflation. Well, if you think about what's happening right now, inflation is hitting a, 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 a near-term high. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been at, at 6 7% inflation and maybe even higher than that. But when you look at, at your performance over the last 10 years, your growth money has kept up with inflation. It's actually beaten inflation. Equities do their job if you give them time to do what they need to do. And there's going to be times like this, you know, and certainly we don't want to discount the near-term headwinds that still remain. Inflation is still a drag on economic growth. The Fed is meeting today as we record this on Wednesday, uh, so we don't know the results, but widely anticipated uh, to hike interest rates again by 75 basis points. That's probably already baked into what the market is thinking anyway, but at some point we're getting closer to potentially a pivot there or at least a slowdown in the increase in interest rates, but that is a headwind as well. But again, it all comes back to earnings. As we talk about all the time on this show, the market will eventually return to the mean in relation to the corporate earnings. And they have still been strong, John. They're slowing down, but they're still strong. And and look, a recession is bound to happen at some point in time. But I defy all of these you know talking heads that have said, oh, we're in a recession. We're in a recession. We're not in a recession. We had 2.9% GDP growth rate uh, in the third quarter on an annualized basis. We have companies that are making money. Unemployment rate is actually very, very acceptable. And so we're not in a recession. It doesn't look like a recession. It doesn't feel right like a recession. Does that mean we're never going to be in a recession? Absolutely not. We will be in a recession. We just don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, we think that maybe 2023 looks a little bit iffy. But again, if you have a long-term perspective on stocks, staying with stocks and not trying to time the market, Troy, is, a, is an incredible advantage for you. Yeah. So obviously, so far, we've talked about equities. We've talked about inflation. Uh, you know, the title of our show is Six Important Questions About Social Security. Mm-hmm. So equities, inflation, everything yeah. we've talked about here, very relevant to someone that's in retirement. Also, something that is extremely relevant to someone that's in retirement, Social Security. Yeah. Let's start on these questions. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that's a, a great uh, segue, Troy, because when you talk about ha- having the need to outpace inflation with your equity investments, as John's talked about, that still remains. That need remains even in retirement. So we still believe in the planning process that you can't bail on equities. You've got to believe in equities and stay invested for the long term for money that is going to be used down the road because your other income sources are not likely to keep up with inflation. However, if you look at what Social Security is doing here in the last couple of years, uh, Social Security recipients are getting big raises, John. Yeah, they are. It looks like that uh, the the raise for the inflation uh, factor is going to amount to around about $140 a month for the average Social Security recipients. Clients at the high end of benefits could see an approaching uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of $300 a month increase in their Social Security. That's real money, guys. That's real money on your paycheck, if you will, in your account. Here's the key to think about this whole thing from a a planning standpoint. 
if you want to be long-term financially independent, you have to have a process by which you can increase your income over time, and that includes Social Security. So we're seeing these rate increases with Social Security, these inflation increases about to take hold in January. But I want to be sure that we kind of dispel some myths here yeah. uh, that, that some people are concerned about because we have some people that are calling going, do I need to take Social Security now so that I can get this this uh, inflation, this cost of living adjustment that Social Security is going to give at the first of the year, but there's no real need to rush. Right. I mean, even if you're delaying Social Security, those cost of living adjustments are still credited to the calculation of what your benefit will ultimately be. So you don't have to rush into filing it. You're still going to benefit from these cost of living adjustments overall. Let's say that a little bit different way, Troy. So for $2,500 a month, if that's what you were expecting to get, let's say in a couple of years when you file Social Security, that projection is going to be a significant amount higher, around 8% higher than what you looked at prior to this inflation adjustment coming into play because it carries over whether you're actually drawing or not. Right. And let's let's talk for a second about how big of a deal Social Security is overall because I think some clients will discount, yeah. uh, especially clients that may have a, a significant amount of assets, might discount the the role that Social Security will play in their retirement income um, you know, if you have $2,000 a month coming in from Social Security, the amount of assets that you would need to produce $2,000 a month on just a very simple 4% uh, rule of thumb withdrawal, you would need $600,000 in assets to give you 2000 a month. If you're a married couple and you've got two people that have $2,000 a month, that's $1.2 million. You know, the, the heresy of all of that is we have people com, come in the office and sit down and we are assessing their their retirement income needs and that type of thing. And one of the things that we assess is what income do they have that they will have uh, that will continue into their retirement years. And we intentionally talk about Social Security very prominently. And a lot of times people go, yeah, I got Social Security, but that's not going to be much. And, and I'm not really counting on that. I want to I want to figure this out on my own. Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's just throw away a $600,000 value right. right out the door. I mean, you're playing with one arm time behind your back when you're doing that. Yeah, and the number one question I think I get in the meeting room or the number one comment when it comes to Social Security discussions is, well, it's not going to be there anyway, right? I mean, there is a concern yeah. with, with people not expecting to even get it because of the trouble that the program is in. And I think we should probably jump off with that. Uh, because it's real easy for you to find. I think it's every April uh, the Social Security Administration puts out a trustees report every year to talk about where the trust fund sits. And that's where the, the stress is on the program is in, is in the reserves. The reserves, if nothing is done, if no law changes, and this varies, COVID swung it a little bit uh, one way and it swung back a little bit, but there's a projection somewhere around 2033 or 2034, which used to sound like a long time off, by the way. I should, when we started talking about this several years ago, it's not so much, right? So about 10 right. years away, we're talking about the potential for the trust fund being depleted, the Social Security reserves gone, right? And they now are operating at a loss, for if for lack of a better simplistic way to say it. So what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't get any more checks. It means that you would have a reduction in your benefit. 
Yeah, so the structure of the system is that there's not just this big pile of money sitting there that people are drawing off of and earning off the interest or something like that. That's not how this works. There is excess Social Security in the reserve. And when the reserve is depleted, if that ever happens, then what will happen is that Social Security would have to reduce benefits across the board by about 20%. And the reason that they would do that and the reason it would be 20% is that the 80% would actually be funded by the folks that are paying into the Social Security system. So you've got, as long as we still have people working, we're still going to have a Social Security check going out to folks. The question is how much it will be. Now, all that is structural. All that is hypothetical. Let's talk about reality, Troy. In reality, can you imagine a politician not voting to fix Social Security? No, I mean, you know, their their main goal is to get reelected. So no one wants to be, uh, whether either side of the aisle, they don't want to be in office when a disaster happens with Social Security because it's unlikely that they would get reelected. Um, so, yeah. No way that's happening. I'm going to go ahead and say. And, and small adjustments. It doesn't have to be a radical change to the system. Small adjustments of either increasing the Social Security tax, raising the limit on someone's income employment income because right now it's capped it does go up every year anyway but it's i think it's up around 140 now right yep so 140,000 so if somebody makes $200,000 annually their last 60 is not taxed does not uh sub, is not subjected to social security tax you could raise that remove it and you'd start to get a lot more social security tax in on that level you could raise uh, the retirement age nobody wants to do that but if if you raise the retirement age so small little changes would make the program move on at current benefit levels and we don't believe it'll it'll be the last minute i I think it'll be 2032 if it's going to run out in 2033 it's going to be 2032 before somebody does something about it but it will Uh, get done they have to get a fire lit under their posterior to get anything done so you know that would that would absolutely do it i don't know why they just don't do something and fix it once and for all and get it out of the mind of the public that it's it's a problem confidence in the system is imperative if the system is going to work right we've got to restore confidence and i think you ought to do that on a long-term basis all right so we promised six important questions you should ask about social security we're going to jump in now number one is what's your full retirement age do you know that because you know it does it does vary at least for people uh born before 1960 so as an example the person born in 1955 who is 67 years old has a full retirement age of 66 years and two months And they're past that, so the full retirement age for them is irrelevant. If you were born in 1960, you have a full retirement age of 67. And the person born in 1959 has a little bit less, but now it's not changing, right? So it's almost a a past discussion about your full retirement age. I think the bigger question for me uh, or that I get in in a client meeting room is sometimes there's a misconception about what that really even means. It's almost as if you've got to make it to that age or work into that age you may know what your full retirement age is and i can't take it before that or that's as big as the check is going to be is my full retirement age and i'm with them it sounds like that's the way it ought to be but nothing is really simple troy with with social security or government there's one more misconception there too and that is that you have to wait to retire until your full retirement age right and that's a little a that one doesn't happen quite as much, but I've had clients come in that are still working because they haven't gotten to full retirement age, yep. but they've got plenty of assets. You do not have to file for Social Security when you retire. 
Yeah, there's no uh, overarching authority out there that says thou shalt work until your full retirement age. A lot of people retire ahead of time. A lot of people don't even take their Social Security until they're 70. And so uh, it's really very flexible how the Social Security system can bend and, and stretch based on your own personal situation. So let's take a look we have for our uh, video viewers who watch us on live stream on Wednesdays. We have a chart that kind of shows the effect of claiming on different ages based on a full retirement age of 67. So that just means, all that really means is that is 100% of your benefit, but they actually, Social Security will give you more than 100% of your benefit if you delay it. So in that chart you're seeing, the the uh, light green bars on the graph indicate taking it prior to it being 100% of your benefit, and you can take it at the earliest at 62 if you did that, it would be 70% of your full retirement uh, benefit. Moving uh, forward, 63, 64, any of those ages, you can see the percentages. 75% at 63, 80% at 64, 86.7% at 65, 93.3% six, at 66. And then if you wait past your full retirement age until 68, 69, 70, you get more. 108% of the benefit at 68 116% at 69, and 124% at 70. Bottom line is the range is really, I think, what's important here. Yeah. The earliest you can take it is 62. The latest it's going to grow is 70. Now, you don't have to take it at 70. You can wait till 72, but there's no reason to. You're losing money. You're losing you money at that point. Yep. And, you know, the other, the other point here, too, is it's not on those birthdays that it actually changes. Social Security will actually increase it per month. Yes, that's that's very true. It's a very complex system. Uh, lots of calculations go into it, but we love that as financial planners because we can actually take Social Security and an amount of money that a client has and craft a, a very specialized, specific strategy to that client. Now, what does that all mean? It basically means that if you have a, a healthy amount of money in your retirement accounts, then that gives you the liberty or the leeway to push Social Security out further and further. You might want to do that because, number one, you might get a big check, and number two, your spouse might get a bigger check than they normally would if you pass away. So those are all factors that come into play. There is no rhyme or reason to, uh, there's no rule of thumb that you can just stick on something and say, this person ought to take it at this particular age, unless you analyze all those other factors, particularly uh, their, the amount of money that they have in retirement. But you also want to factor in age and health and things of that nature. So we showed that graph. It really was the answer to number two. So we've already gotten past our second question. Our first question was, what's your full retirement age? We discussed that. The second of our six important questions about Social Security, how will the age you take benefits affect your eventual monthly payout? So that we went over that in the graph. So we're up to number three now. And are you healthy? That's a question to ask, too. This is a obviously a very uh, difficult thing to pin down. You know, when we plan for retirement and build a retirement income plan for our clients. I'm fond in the meeting room to kind of talk about to address the longevity risk to say, if you can give me your date of death, we can build a pretty perfect retirement plan, right? If we know when we need the income to be done, which of course, no, the answer is nobody knows that. We don't know how long you're going to live and we want to plan for a long life in retirement, but health can play a role in that. Knowing your family health can definitely play a role in how you how you choose your Social Security. 
Yeah, and you don't, especially if you're married, you don't want to think about just your health because right. it's it's not a decision you're making. Uh, let me give you an example here. Let's say we have a married couple. They're, this, they're close to the same age. Let's say we have a husband. He's been a high income earner. Uh, he ha- he has the higher of the two social security benefits, but he's not in good health. He he might be tempted to file social security as soon as he can. He might want to take it at sixty two. If he retires at at sixty two, he may want to take it right then. That might not necessarily be the best answer because let's say his wife is in excellent health and expects to have a long lifespan. Well. When you when one spouse passes away, essentially what happens is the smaller of the two Social Security checks goes away. So if we think husband, who is going to have the higher check, even if he passes away earlier, now we're trying to grow that spousal benefit. Mm-hmm. So it may make sense in that scenario even for him to continue to lay until 70 because it might work out better for the, for the entire plan that we're looking at. And you've got to look at the, the amount of money that that couple has. Can they go into right. retirement, let's say at 62, and afford to delay? Uh, if they can can basically provide their needed income from their resources then and still have some money left over when they actually start drawing Social Security, is that a possibility? All of that is, is massaged in uh, not the meeting room itself, but in our offices when we sit down after our initial appointment with a client. Mm-hmm. We're going to take all of that information and we're going to work on that plan. And we're going to run lots of scenarios and lots of trials about if we do it this way, does it work out this way? And obviously, we're shooting in the dark because we don't know that person's life expectancy. But what we do know is that someone uh, may have a need that that is not obvious, like Troy just went through with the spouse who is very healthy and needs that income because if that husband passes away, then they're going to need that higher check because that smaller Social Security check is going to go away. That is our fourth question. Do you have a spouse to consider? I think that's a a great point that Troy highlighted in the terms of how it plays into uh, selecting benefits when health is a concern. But just in general, I think that's a big thing to consider because, as Troy alluded to, that's the big thing. That the, the bigger check is what the surviving spouse is going to receive. So if they're about the same and you both took them early, they're going to be smaller, right? So it does make sense if the, the matching works out with either a health situation or I also think about a, a, uh, a couple that we just met with here in Little Rock where the age difference was pretty large. Yeah. Um, the, the man in the relationship is already age 64, He's not going to plan to retire until he's 67, so he's going to be full retirement age at a minimum uh, when he steps away from work, and the female in the relationship is actually only 52, so she's got a long way to go. She's got 10 years before she can even layer in her own benefit, so we're probably going to recommend, or we did recommend actually, that she takes it at 62, but that he delays, uh, even when he gets uh, 67 and retires, he delays his for three years to age 70 so his his benefit will be as big as it can be he will receive it and then if he passes away early which statistically he will she would be able to inherit that 
uh, somewhere along the way and get the bigger check. Yeah, and 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 really have the opportunity to have a better lifestyle than she would have had had he claimed it earlier. And right. so clearly, uh, whether you have a spouse or not has to be into in the equation. Uh, I know Social Security is an individual benefit. Each person in a in a uh, husband and wife relationship have their own benefit. But when you start pairing that together and looking at the effects of that, it really does have some consequences that you've got to consider. So obviously the other part of that is is that they do have the assets to bridge that three years where there's going to be no benefits. That's, you kind of alluded to that earlier too, John. Is right. the, if you don't have the assets, that's another uh, thing to consider when it comes to planning. But you see how these things kind of work together, right? I mean, if you're if, if you keep separated the investments from the overall income plan, it just makes no sense. Yeah, you can't do that. You've got to look at the whole thing. And, and this, is a, this is why we do holistic planning at GenWealth. It's why we ask 50,000 questions in the, in the meeting room. You know, it seems like that anyway. Because we want to be sure we totally understand the, the full consequence of your situation. If we miss some things because we're short on asking questions, then guess what? Your plan is going to be short, and that's not something you definitely want to have to deal with. Six important questions about Social Security. That's the subject of today's Get Ready for the Future show. Number one was what's your full retirement age? Number two, how will the age you take benefits affect your eventual monthly payout? Number three, are you healthy? And number four was do you have a spouse to consider? Got two more. And number five is, is your earnings history correct? Have you ever, and ask a different way, have you ever even looked at your earnings history on the Social Security benefit uh, estimate, which used to come in the mail, now so much doesn't. So it is something you kind of have to go out there and get, but we'll talk about how you get it. But let's talk, Troy, about what even earnings history means. Yeah. So basically, you know, Social Security, the main factor when they're determining what your benefit will be is how much have you earned in the past. So it, it's a big deal to make sure that every year that you've earned income, that that is reported accurately on your Social Security statement. And it's easy to get this. You, you go on uh, ssa.gov, and then up at the top right, there is a My Social Security uh, kind of a link, and you'll click on that and create your My Social Security login. That's where you can generate a Social Security statement at any time, and part of that statement is your earnings record. Yeah. And, and guys, let me let me say, and and this is the 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 real honest truth. This is not, uh, you know, political commentary about any administration or anything of that nature. Right now, dealing with Social Security is tough. They they've got you know personnel shortages and things of that nature, and fixing a inaccurate earnings history is going to be a little bit of a challenge. First of all, getting your earnings history might be a little bit of a challenge if you are not tech savvy and, and have a, a good memory, because what will happen is that you'll go onto that ssa.gov, log in, and, and then it's going to ask you a lot of uh, questions about uh, your credit history and things of that nature to try to confirm that you are the person that you say you are. And that, that is a source of frustration. I don't know about you, Troy, but I have people come in all the time and go, I just got frustrated with that thing. You know, they just yeah. they throw up their hands. Don't throw up your hands. It's really important that you work through this. Look, your retirement is going to last you 20 or 30 years. You got to get this right. Even if you have to have someone to help you with this, you got to get this right so that your Social Security earnings are correct. And missed earnings can make a big difference because of the way Social Security is calculated. And while we're on the subject of earnings history, 
you know, if you're a W-2 employee all your life, that's it's pretty standard. You're going to pay in. It's going to be withheld. The Social Security tax is there. But we should say a word to business owners. John, you're, you're a business owner. You understand yep. how this works. It's very tempting uh, as a business owner to not really pay yourself very much. And, as, a, as a salary. Right, as a salary. And so that's where the Social Security tax is going to be uh, figured off of, and it can hurt you in retirement. Yeah, so the, the mechanics of that are that you pay Social Security tax on salary or if you're self-employed. But if you have a corporation and you pay yourself a very small salary and you take the distributions from that corporation, the dividends, if you will, of that corporation as your income, you don't pay Social Security tax on that. Hoorah, I didn't pay Social Security tax on that. Well, you just cut your nose off in spite of your face. It's what you've done because you basically have cheated yourself out of those earnings as it relates to Social Security. So I know that there are a number of people that get advice from tax advisors that say, oh, well, you know, just take the distributions and don't pay, avoid that uh, self-employment tax. If you avoid that self-employment tax, then you're going to pay, uh, you're going to, to actually reduce the amount of Social Security that you're eligible to get when you retire. Not a smart long-term plan. Another point, it says, and, and really a credit to looking towards future planning, not just current tax uh, situations. All right, our final question as we get ready to wrap up the show today, uh, as far as the six important questions you should ask about Social Security so that you get the most out of your retirement income, are you eligible for additional benefits beyond those based on your own work history? A lot of people don't, and this gets complicated, and, and there are lots of nuances to it, but basically the bottom line is you might be. It depends on your situation. Man, many times I've seen people come in, Troy, that, that the spouse has their Social Security statement, the husband has his, the wife has hers, and they think those numbers on that paper are what they're going to get. And maybe the, the wife didn't have a long work history. Maybe she quit and raised kids, whatever the case may be. Uh, and they're actually surprised that she's actually eligible for potentially more money. Right, yeah. If, if you you can have a spousal benefit, which can be up to 50% of the higher earning spouse's uh, benefit in that example. But there's so many you know different directions we can go on this topic. I mean, mm -hmm. there are widow's benefits. There are uh, minor children benefits if a if a... Uh, parent passes away and children are below the age of 16. I mean, it is such a complex system that there's no way to know all of the rules. And I think w the advice here on this is if you have any of these major uh, things that happen in your life and you're not sure if you qualify for a social security benefit, that's where it pays off to talk with an advisor. Scott, I think the most used of these, uh, other than the spousal benefit, is the divorced spouse benefit. Mm -hmm. Most people don't understand how that actually works. And they go, wait, wait a minute. You're telling me that I can draw uh, Social Security from my spouse that I divorced back some time ago? Yes, under certain rules, you can definitely do that. So the, the rule is... Uh, that if you were married for at least 10 years before getting divorced, you may be eligible to receive as much as 50% of your ex-spouse's Social Security benefit based on their earnings history. So if you were married to some, you know, rich person that, uh, you know, made a lot of money, 
then it might be beneficial for you to look into that. Or maybe even that your benefit is not going to be as good. You can still draw that divorce spouse benefit if you meet the criteria. Those are things that, that people miss out on, Scott. And, and realistically, that's where just taking the time mm-hmm. and, and the effort to work with a financial advisor, it can pay off in, in a big way. Yeah, and as we kind of wrap up the show today, that is kind of the big takeaway here. You know, John, you've called it the Waffle House method. You just go down and you talk to your buddies at the Waffle House, and that's how you determine when you're going to uh, claim Social Security, which you know, the talk at the Waffle House is going to be as early as possible, right? As soon oh, as sure. you can, as soon as you can turn it on, turn it on because it ain't going to be there and you better get all you can get out of the government. Well, that may or may not be what you need to do. I think that this show has highlighted the need to sit down with a financial advisor and incorporate your social security options, your social security strategy in cooperation with and layering into integrating, if you will, with your other guaranteed income sources. If there's a pension in play, you know, we didn't even talk about that as guaranteed income. Today's subject is Social Security, but you think about how that plays into when you claim Social Security, if there's a pension in play. And then, of course, your investable assets, because that's what we do every day here at GenWealth. You know, you think about those 401ks, those IRAs, those Roth IRAs, your life savings that you've invested for your future when people arrive at retirement, oftentimes they have no idea what that means. I have saved $500,000. We have saved $1.5 million. But what does that mean in terms of spending income and making our retirement be what we want it to be? Scott, I, I was thinking about this when you're talking about the Waffle House retirement thing. If that You could just collectively call that conventional wisdom yeah, uh, you know yeah. that you walk up and talk to the guys at the waffle house they'll give you the conventional wisdom well if you want to have a conventional retirement then uh, <laughs> adhere to conventional wisdom if you want to have an unconventional retirement one that is exemplary one that really helps you to to rise above everything then maybe you need some unconventional wisdom maybe you need to spend some time exploring all of this because there are a lot of things out there that conventional wisdom is not going to get you uh, to the front door if you're new to our show, that was supposed to be a bell, and you heard it, right? I heard it, it means that we are wrapping up the show. It's time for John to stop talking for a moment and begin our final thoughts. Troy, we'll start with you. Yeah, I would I would say when it comes to Social Security, let's not make this decision in a vacuum. It really needs to be part of your overall plan. We need to factor in how much other assets do you have saved for retirement? Um, do you have a pension? When are you going to retire? All these things help us to make that decision. Health, all these questions we've gone through help us determine when is really going to be the best time for you to claim Social Security. Scott, I think if you think about this in the grand context of of retirement and, and being financially independent, uh, and that's really what I think everybody that, that has red blood running through their veins really wants. They want to get to a spot where they can say, I am financially independent. I don't have to go to work anymore. Whether that's at retirement or not, it really doesn't matter how what kind of phrase you put on it. Everybody would love to be financially independent. So take advantage of the things that are out there. Take some time to explore. It may be, it may seem like the most burdensome thing in the world to try to have to do all this stuff. But I will tell you that the benefits of it are are just outstanding. You've got to be able to know what you need and what you want to have in retirement, and a big part of that is Social Security. My final thought is a question. Is financial independence, as John spoke about, within reach for you? You can begin the process. Take the first step by visiting 
15minuteretirement.com or just text the word checkup to this number, 501-381-5228 to find out for free. And that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Hope you enjoyed learning about the six important questions you should ask about Social Security and more importantly, why Social Security is so important to your overall retirement plan. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building towards financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial. 